Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. I am welcoming Dr. Erin Carlquist to the podcast today. She is a pathologist who works in Florida, and she has a passion for mentoring pre-meds and residents as they go into the world of medicine. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm really excited to talk to you about your journey um, through medical school and the residency and now as an attending, especially as a young attending. Where have you noticed the imposter syndrome to be to be the biggest issue for you? Hmm, I think it's always I think the I first started experiencing imposter syndrome like years before I knew what it was. Like I didn't know, I just learned about imposter syndrome, I think like two years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, there's other, I think it, people have known about it, but <laughs> been taught about it and stuff, but I never knew about it and would have been nice to know because I think every, like my imposter syndrome kind of started back in undergrad, like as a pre-med mm-hmm. and which is part of the reason why I like to work with pre-meds because like things start all the way back there with like how we end up kind of experiencing our our life and future as a physician and so i think one of my first like really tough classes was like so many people was organic chemistry mm-hmm. and i got a c minus in organic chemistry and thought that the world was going to literally end and i would never get into medical school because it's just over because all of it, I mean, back then there wasn't as much social media. So, so much more of it's just like hearsay and people like talking about, you know, each other and saying like, you know, if you, uh, well, you need these grades to get it. And, you know, there wasn't, I don't know, there's not the resources and um, as much exposure to more realistic um, expectations of what Mm -hmm. you need to I mean, you obviously need to be a really good student to become a doctor, but there is, you know, you don't have to be perfect. There doesn't need to be this like expectation of perfection. And I definitely thought that perfection was the only option. And so I think that that was the very first experience where from there I started feeling like because of that one class and that one grade that all of a sudden everybody else that was my peer that was trying to get to the same goal as me, get into medical school was automatically like smarter or better or further ahead or whatever Mm -hmm. than me, because now I had this to like deal with this, like looming over my head for, for all of eternity. And then I'm just not, um, I think I didn't develop like the best study skills when, as when, when I was like real young, like in high school and I guess early college until I got to those real hard classes because it was just like, I I think if you're smart enough to like kind of memorize some stuff and get by, like you don't have to develop those skills. I'm not, I don't think that I'm like that (laughs) like genius level smart or anything like that. But I know that like, I never really had to spend that much time studying to get good grades, you know, it just didn't become apparent until those organic chemistry classes. And then 
studying for the MCAT, you know, and things just get harder and more intimidating. And once the imposter syndrome kind of like plays in, it makes it just that much harder for you because mm -hmm. you have all this extra mental stress um, on top of it. And then not having like a word for it and not being able to call it anything is even more challenging. So mine like started way back and, um, and I didn't, I didn't find out for like a decade later what mm -hmm. was actually going. Absolutely. And I, I love that you bring in two things that I can relate to so well, which is perfectionism and a fixed mindset. Yes. Meaning and I had the same exact thoughts in college in, in that if anything required any work whatsoever, it meant that I wasn't good enough. Yes. Because for so long, like high school, when people are like, oh, you're so smart, blah, blah, blah. You're just, you think that that's just an inherent trait that you shouldn't have to work on. And then when you come up with something that's challenging, and for me, it was organic chemistry as well. And, you, <laughs> and you're like, I don't know how to, like, this isn't, this isn't coming naturally to me. So I guess I'm not smart, like everyone thought I was. Okay. And I think it's that fixed mindset instead of thinking, I'm just going to have to study like I'm just gonna have to work hard or work or study a different way now yeah so funny that you bring this up I'm sorry I interrupted you a little bit okay. but I am so excited that you said brought up the fixed versus like growth mindset thing because yeah. I, I sent out an email today to my to my for my newsletter to my um subscribers for my email list and this was the exact topic was the fixed mm -hmm. versus growth mindset and I was like thinking about all of that today as I was writing it. So I'm so glad that you brought that up because that definitely was a huge part of it. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. And if you can teach, especially where you're, you know, you're teaching pre-meds, that's a, that's the, a really important time to be focusing on cultivating that growth mindset because every transition is going to be more of a challenge. And if they go into medical school realizing that it's going to be hard and it doesn't mean that you don't belong that can be a protective mechanism for imposter syndrome which is really important i think so too i totally agree and i think that not only that but like when i think back to how i conducted myself in medical school and how you know everybody says you know ask questions and put yourself out there. Like this is the time to learn because you are supposed to be learning <laughs> You're in medical school. But I did not like I wish I could have. But now looking back, I'm like, oh, so dumb. Why did you not just like ask a question where you thought you were supposed to know the answer or not? Mm -hmm. Or why did you not, you know, just try to answer if someone asks you a question answer whether you're 100% sure you know the answer or not you know and yeah. use that as the opportunity to grow and learn and become even better at what you're doing earlier you know you grow so much faster when you put yourself in those types of positions but the whole imposter syndrome and fixed mindset thing totally kept me from being able to experience things as as I wish that I would have now if I would have mm -hmm. known back you know before I started medical school then maybe I would have approached it a different way and learned things and you know maybe I'd be even further ahead as a physician and a person today than mm -hmm. I am now are there any other ways 
that you think imposter syndrome has negatively impacted you through residency or as an attending so far? In residency, it was still, I still had all the same feelings that I dealt with all the way through, you know, a lot of undergrad, all the way through medical school and residency had all those feelings of imposter syndrome and still like I was became like terrified of taking tests and like not performing exactly how I expected to or as good as like one of your peers Mm -hmm. and um, had like real bad like testing test anxiety type situations and I think I think it took such a long time and getting actually out of residency and then truly just learning about the thing called imposter syndrome and that that first let me kind of just like freeze you from the constraints of like needing to be perfect all the time or you're just not good enough or you're not smart enough or whatever and so I think that I went through all those same things and it's always for me it's always been directly related to only tests for the most part and say other ways of like just directly grading like how how intelligent you are compared to your peers Mm -hmm. and I think that stems all the way back to that dang organic chemistry class and (laughs) um that I always felt okay when I was like when I'm in person when I'm one-on-one interacting with people like I always felt like that was a way that I could overcome any other like shortcomings if I performed like on a test that way I didn't want to or whatever it might be. But I always felt more confident in person most of the time, mm-hmm. unless somebody was like pimping me on a, <laughs> asking me questions, then I would read that. But most of the time, personal interaction was like not the time that I would feel the imposter syndrome. But I it definitely did play in to this very backwards thought process of I'm afraid to try too much because if I try really hard and I fail, then that means that I'm really like for real, not good enough because I not only failed, but now I tried the hardest I possibly can and failed. But also the fact that, yeah, like if I have to try, then that means I'm not just innately as like, smart as other people are that don't have to try, you know, that just yep. like, people that are just, you know, think you think they're just geniuses that they never, they're probably at home studying every minute right. of every day and just playing this part, you know, mm-hmm. and probably have imposter syndrome themselves. And that's, I think that's important too, because I don't know if you could feel like an imposter without that comparison, that worry of comparison and mm-hmm. the whole field of medic of medicine is like a breeding ground for the comparison for the exact reasons like you just said like your ranking against other people and it's that constant you know who who's better than me where do I stand kind of thing that's really uncomfortable I went to a medical school that really like would pride themselves on having like a non-malignant, like non-competitive type of atmosphere as much as possible. But you can't eliminate that completely when you're still grading people and people are still taking exams. And no matter how much, you know, people 
that you go to medical school with like like each other and are friendly and very nice to each other like you still end up people talk like Mm -hmm. people find out what myth whether they're actually the real scores or grades or whatever not people talk about each other and like gossip or whatever you know about like who had the highest crazy scores and stuff I just I don't know that there's a way around it like what how can you I talked to my girls that I coach about this and you know trying to find ways to um to I especially work with women who have something in their application that's like kind of holding them back Mm -hmm. like a they had like a rough semester or they had to take the MCAT a couple of times or the MCAT score is not awesome or whatever it is. And so I talked to them about, you know, different ways that they can compensate for that. And then we, I talked about all of this stuff with them as well. And then, and then at the same time, I have to tell them like, ultimately like medical schools have to find some way to compare people. Right to decide who to let in and then same with residency programs and same with fellowships and then same for your job. And it's mm-hmm. just going to be part of it, whether it changes a little bit coming from grade or scores, past fail, it's still comparison one way or another. Right. So, but I, I think that that's why it's so important what you're doing and helping people understand this whole imposter syndrome and being able to deal with it because it's, probably not going to get rid of it anytime soon. <laughs> right. And I think that what's so, what makes the most impact is knowing that people feel the same way as you. Yeah. A lot of people do because yeah. that's where I think it gets, it's that thing. It's what you mentioned where you're going to, people are going to find out you're a fraud. You don't want anyone to know that you feel like this. And then it's like this weird, like secret thing that you think you're the only one feeling like that. But when you realize that 95% of the people around you feel the same way, then it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess it doesn't have to have this power over me. Like the day, the first time that someone told me about imposter syndrome was when I was in my fellowship. And I don't remember exactly what we were talking about it was probably I would if I would have to guess it was probably like the day that I got my results back from my board my um pathology board exam and my co-fellow who was like an all-star like thought was the most confident person ever she's like love her so much she's just amazing in every single way and she started talking about imposter syndrome and I was like what she's like oh yeah, this is like the bane of my existence. I've been dealing with this for years. I was like, you, are you serious? Because if you feel like that, then this must be like an okay thing to be experiencing. Like other people must experience this because I was shocked that she had been going through the same things that I had. Mm -hmm. And then gave me finally a name for it where I, in my experience, I think that, Pastor syndrome is probably even more prevalent in people who are high achieving, trying to yeah. go and level up all the time. It's just, it's even more prevalent in, in those types of people, but we all keep it hush hush and like yeah. we're afraid of for anyone else to find out. So what's been the most helpful for you once you realized that imposter syndrome exists? I I think a couple of things. I think one thing is just being fully 
honest and authentic with myself and just owning up to the fact and like telling people like I'm not a good test taker and that doesn't mean that I'm less intelligent than anybody else necessarily it just means that I'm not a very good test taker and so I've had issues with doing well on all this dang standardized tests that we have to take over and over again for our entire lives and that um just owning it and putting it out there and then being able to talk to women that are you know on the same path going becoming a physician whether they're like pre-med or um, medical students or in residency and being able to share that with them as well and just their jaws just drop when you're like I'm a doctor and I don't I'm not a good test taker and mm-hmm. it's okay and they're like nobody said that before you know <laughs> like just so freeing and um gives them this is gives them so much comfort that like you everybody struggles with something and you know, it's the whole, ultimately it's the whole person. It might be, honestly, like, I'm not going to say that if you're bad at taking tests, if you fail like a whole semester, if you, you know, any of these things that it's going to be any easier for you to get into medical school or get through the whole process of wherever this comes up for you. Like if you have some type of struggle, yeah, it might make it harder for you. But that doesn't mean that it's impossible by any right. means. So. You're probably, you probably have a ton of advice because you're mentoring so many young people. But what's one piece of advice you would give to medical students today about imposter syndrome or overcoming it? Just to talk about it. Yeah. I think that taking away the power that it has over us by talking about it and talking about your not just talking about imposter syndrome. I think it's a lot more out there now and people, younger people, you know, at least are aware of it more than they used to be. But I think talking about failure and how failure is not, does not define you. It does not make you a failure and talking and being accepting of your own failures and other people's failures and being more open about it instead of shutting down and like walling all of that off and never letting anyone in, it just, it just perpetuates the cycle and makes it so much worse when you try to keep all that secretive because everybody struggles with something at some point. Going to medical school and becoming a doctor is like one of the hardest things you can do. Like nobody's doing it like effortlessly and perfectly. Growth, you know, comes Mm -hmm. from failure. Then I think that that mindset shift in training and in, in medical education and in training is pretty powerful. So. Yeah, I love that. I love that advice. I think that that's advice that I would have been <laughs> really grateful for <laughs> when, I was, <laughs> when I was learning how to be a doctor. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> well, Erin, thank you so much for your time. It's been really You're great so talking welcome. to you. Um, and I can't wait to learn more from you in the future. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. One more thing before you go. I wanted to make sure you knew about my mastermind coming up on May 24th. I am looking for a very small group of young physicians who feel the burden of imposter syndrome, who are feeling stuck in their job, who feel anxious and stressed and feel like they're not good enough. 
essentially exactly how I was feeling three years ago. And the mastermind is going to be a deep and personal dive into how to overcome imposter syndrome, dealing with your current personal issues. We are going to be figuring out how to identify the goals we want for our future and creating specific and tactical plans to get those things. I will leave a link in the show notes page if you want some more information about this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Again, I'm looking for a very small group of young physicians because I really want this to be a comfortable and supportive environment that we can really get some work done together. So I hope you check that out.